Lauren, have you heard Jesus is King? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that sounds like what people say, like the uh, Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I was going to say, like to me, that sounds like someone's trying to sell me a Bible of some sort, which is cool. Like that's nothing, nothing wrong with that. You know? No, uh, Kanye West, his album finally came out. His uh, gospel oh album thing. His, I'm sorry. I think it's considered a gospel album. It is. I think so. Yeah. There's one song. Is he all right? Like, no, he's I not. I have several questions. Yeah, he's not. Um, there's a song. What is it called? Like closed on Sunday. Okay. Can you guess what? It's Chick Fil A, right? Yes. Yeah. I think I saw a lyric from this where like he was like, "You're my number one." Like it with the lemonade. With the lemonade. <laughs> I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Oh, yeah. Kanye. Oh, that's kind of where we're at right now with Kanye West. Oh my God, it's not it's not going great. Yeah. Kenny G is on the album. This oh. is uh, the saxophone player, right? Yes. Okay. I actually saw him once in concert, not exclusively. I want to be clear. I was seeing Tony Braxton. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, this was like in the height of Tony Braxton being Tony Braxton too. So like we're talking late nine, like very late nineties, early two thousands. I went with my mom, and <laughs> Kenny G. Like open for her. I was gonna say, how does that work? Because those are two different like styles of music, right? Yes. Yep. I thought it was very strange as well. But like, okay. Kenny G opened for her, and he held a note for like a long time, like a really long time. And I remember like being like, okay, like this was cool for a minute, and like now, like okay, <laughs> now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like now, please stop. <laughs> a, like I don't really care, and B, like can I get to Tony, please? Yeah. Like, but yeah, that's that's my. Um, I mean, Kenny G's fine. Um, yeah well with this whole Kanye um, West album thing I feel like I have to just listen to it so I know what it's about not because I'm listening to it as a fan just you know so you're aware and you can speak to it totally you know we we work in news and so like it's news somehow yeah it's like pop culture for sure Um, it's like uh, but people are getting like NBA Twitter's getting involved too like they have a Clay Thompson with his ear bleeding, and they're saying, like, <laughs> you know, that's a reaction to that right. Chick fil A lyric. It's like, oh boy, Kanye. Goodness. No. I mean, and he's like, wow, it's number one on iTunes. Okay. Yeah. It's a, but it's, some of it's for the reason that you said, you know, like that people want to hear what it sounds like. Well, yeah. And it's like, it was. It's been one of those things that everybody's been waiting for. He's had these like Sunday services where he's thrown together like, an outdoor church festival it seems like so everybody's kind of like what is this like what's been going on in the world of Kanye West so I only listened because I felt like I needed to know what was going on like what songs what they sound like not because I'm a fan what if Eve made apple juice that was also a lyric on here apparently (laughs) um what okay what does that even mean I don't know that's a great question Kanye what are you talking about man I have no idea I miss the old Kanye. You know what? I didn't feel that way. Like, I actually liked this album before this. Uh, Life of Pablo? Yeah. Is that the one? Like, I didn't love it, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, I liked Famous. I know some people were like, eh, on it, but I was like, I like it. Like, it's different and it's cool. And, like, he does a lot of really different things. That's the thing. That's why I've liked him over the years. He does a lot of stuff that's, like, cool and different. Yeah. Um, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I really like a lot. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like... That's number one. Kanye album for me. Maybe he's just run out of like creative juices or whatever. I don't know. No, those are the gateway to this. Jesus is King. <laughs> All of the weird and unique kind of things that led up I'm to just, this point. I'm surprised. I'm surprised his ego's gotten to the point where he's even deferring to Jesus. You know, that's the one person he needs. Like that's that's like. But he used to just be like, I'm the king. I'm the yeah. best. And now he's like, No, it's Jesus. And it's like, Oh, 
Well, that's that's one step for you, Kanye. This is the Topics and Takes Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host for Topics and Takes, Lauren Brownlow. Welcome back to another episode of Topics and Takes. I'm Jasmine Fritz. That's LB. Hey. Lauren Brownlow. Back in the States. Yes. Little on the struggle bus with... Um, <laughs> Some cold that I probably, I could have either caught on the airplane or caught from my toddler. There's really no telling where I got it from. So. And then you came in with wet hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that luxury now of like, and I swear I don't know where it's been. Like the last three or four years where I've just decided to go wavy all the time has been. Oh, so that's just like a new. new thing. Oh yeah, it's a new thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I see mean, the brand. I would mix it up a little before, um, but I would mo- mostly go straight actually. Really? But that's like, I mean. It's just added an extra, it would add an extra hour yeah, minimum to my day. Like to dry and straighten my hair would take about that long. I was always envious of people who, um, whose hair would dry straight yes. and they just have to run the flat iron over it a little bit. Right. And that was never me. Like I yeah. have to like piece out my hair, like get it in pieces to straighten it, to get it to where I wanted it to be. Yeah. I have to blow dry my hair first and then straighten. Yeah. I would do that too. Yeah. And then I would still have to like piece it out and like make sure I put the flat iron on and I was like I was just like no no more of that I didn't think we would uh, go in depth about hair but now I have to say I just cut my own bangs really yeah so I tried to do like the whole middle part just because like basketball season starting up and I want to make sure that I'm going like looking nice new hair yeah, do yeah. all that kind of stuff and yeah uh, it worked out I'm very happy with it because like it's better than I thought I would do but it, it should definitely be touched up by a professional <laughs> I mean, I would be too scared to even try, so respect for that. Well, I got to the point where it's like, just do it. Who cares if something doesn't work out because you're not trained and whatever? Just do whatever you want to do. So I cut my hair in February, and now I just gave myself bangs. I'm reckless right now. I might go get a tattoo. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I did actually say, just um, we can get into this a little bit. Um, we're going to get into several things, but I think, but for sure, um, I did. I forgot that I promised somebody on Twitter <laughs> a shout out um those no. costs buddy they do <laughs> no um i said that if carolina because he was all down on carolina and he's like oh it was a carolina fan i think it was a carolina fan and he was like duke's gonna rush for 700 yards on us next week and i said if duke rushes for 700 yards on y'all i will get a tattoo <laughs> because like that's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen no but i did i have started to get a little nervous about that i'm probably overthinking it uh, what would your tattoo be if you had to get one? So people wanted it to be something that represented Duke in some way. So we had sort of settled on like the logo, a Greg Paulus. <laughs> okay, so they were kind of thinking like a Greg Paulus tattoo. So should get a like devil horns or something. Yeah, maybe colored um, blue. Yeah, something, something along those lines. But yeah, I had forgotten about that. As uh, and we're we're not gonna break down the game because by the time most of y'all hear this, it'll be over. over. And then um, you would find us out that we we're completely wrong with our predictions and everything. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's part <laughs> of it. And then also, like, who can really predict anything exactly. in this division anyway? Um, I guarantee I didn't predict six overtimes, Carolina. Okay, be honest, because I didn't, I didn't either. Um, what did you think the two-point conversion overtime thing meant? I thought it meant that when you scored, okay. you, had to, you yep. were not able to kick a field goal. That's uh, yeah. I thought that you like had to go for it on fourth, yeah. and then you had to go for two um, when you scored a touchdown. But I guess teams were already doing that anyway. They were already going for two. I guess you. I think you already had to go for two after you scored after a certain number of overtimes. Oh, but I think I thought that's what it was for some reason. 
I thought that's what the rule change was. And then, so when they just started going for two, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> what is happening? No, I was completely lost. I was like, man, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about some of these games. Yeah. I was like, what the hell's going on? I think I just literally misunderstood the rule change. So yeah. that was pretty wild. I, I Look, I love the Coastal Division. I do. And I'm not saying that as like, I'm trying to hold it up as some like paragon of great football or anything. Yeah. I feel like the Coastal Division is... Not perfect. It's not consistent week to week. Um, and you never really know what you're going to get. And I mean that as affectionately as possible. Um, and I always enjoy it because it's always an adventure. And it usually doesn't make me sad to watch. You know, like some of the yeah. other teams have, like, like there's always at least one Atlantic team a year that makes me sad to watch. Like, State has kind of made me sad recently to watch. Syracuse is super uh, sad to watch. That's the one I was going to bring up. Yeah. I mean, at least with Georgia Tech, you know they have a new coach and you know they're transitioning. So even if they make you sad sometimes, like, but like the coastal teams all get these nice moments of 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 like happiness and their seasons sprinkled in that you know the Atlantic Division teams just don't get and, and yeah. there's like you never are out of the running in the coastal that's the thing you know what i mean yeah like technically you are but you're not really and in the Atlantic you're in there with Clemson right like, i was going to say well in the Atlantic it's just like well what do we even play for right that's also a sound bite that we use a lot on the sport shop <laughs> what do we even play for? I, yeah i think in in sound bites now yeah, things I, are weird. I, I hear you. No, it's it's. But yeah, I just I really I, I enjoy the coastal. I don't know who's gonna win it. I don't really care. I just um, I know when I'm watching a coastal game, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something that I don't see anywhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it has its own inherent character to it. It's like way. the quirky. Uh, it's like the the quirky friend that you have, and you you don't hang out with him all the time. But you know, like every time you hang out, it's like something interesting that you take back to your other friend group. Right, and it's like wow. You know, I never would have thought of that. Like, yeah. I never would have thought of like just some of the crazy things that go on in that game. Like, I had forgotten. Like, somebody reminded me this past week that um, when Miami and Virginia played, a Miami player was ejected for targeting and then didn't get off the field in time and got an illegal substitution penalty when he was like in the end zone still. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. You can only see those types of things in the Coastal Division, and I love it. Um, I don't care. I don't care who knows it. Like, I, I will defend it. You can call it gross all you want, but, like, really it's the essence of what most college football is, you know? Like, the outside of the haves in college football, that's what that's what college football is. It's kind of a derp fest, but it can be lovable in its own right. Um, so I enjoy it. I really do. Love it. I think it has some of the most interesting coaches, too, in terms of personality, although... I guess Virginia and Virginia Tech, I don't know as much about their coaches in terms of personality. Yeah. Um, but like Mac Brown, Cutcliffe. Like, right. You know. And Manny. Uh, Manny first, Diaz. Yeah, and he's a Miami native. Yep. Down yep. there trying to put on for his city. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's, this is, it's there's an interesting collection of uh, coaching personalities in that group. We've um, kind of seen a little dance battling between Carolina and Duke coach uh, Cutcliffe and but Mac see, Brown. Like, I, th- I, I, I told you this, I think, right? When we did it, like one of our first episodes of the show. That like Cuddy can dance. Oh, he Cuddy gets down. Can dan- like Mac sort of makes awkward movements. Like he's trying, but Cuddy can dance. We talked to him uh, Tuesday morning and he was like, he was, had been up for hours and, and he was working out, getting his heart rate up. I said, like, you were dancing, weren't you? He said, I was dancing. <laughs> he just like, you gotta love it. It's very, like I said, it's very like old dude at a wedding 
but like oh but hey. it's full of spirit but it's so yeah it's so it's it's very competent and confident yeah and you know he can really dance so he like, said he grew up poor and so when you do that you find you know a lot of different ways to like entertain yourself and have fun he says we grew up dancing we didn't have much but we had each other and we could dance and, and that's what we did he's the best I he love is him. right he grew up in <laughs> alabama yeah i didn't know he grew up poor for some reason but i did know he grew up in alabama mm-hmm. um but yeah, that's uh, he's the best. He's really great. Um, coaches like him and and others around here and teams around here are probably big reasons that I'm I have not run into much trouble in terms of like any locker room experience. Like people ask me that a lot as like a woman in media. Like, mm-hmm. do you have you ever, you know, seen or heard offensive things or whatever? I mean, sure, mm-hmm. you see and hear offensive things from time to time, but it's nothing. It's it's the it's far far the exception rather than the rule. And I think. I do think there's a part of us that's very much pre-programmed to sort of brush aside a certain amount of those. Sure. Um, especially if they don't really rise to a level of like, and there's some that I only talk about privately, like that nothing that happened to me, just like stuff that you see and you're like, okay, um, see you're here and you're like, that's not cool, but you keep it to yourself or, you know, you tell like other people in your business and that's yeah. it. Um, I kind of I kind of feel blessed that I haven't really had to experience that kind of stuff uh, yeah. in the locker room, football or basketball. I think like around here, at least the teams we cover, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like the media relations people are just very good, especially like Duke and Carolina basketball. And I'm not saying that the other stuff is the other media people around here aren't good, but right. I'm just saying like they I think they really get it. And they they you don't get a lot that you're not supposed to get from a Carolina or Duke basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're letting anything slip. Yeah. They're not. They're well-trained. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, State, when they weren't sure about somebody, they would just, like, not bring them to us very often. Whereas, like, Duke and Carolina, they know they can't get away with that. Exactly. So they just train them to not say anything, and then you're good. Um, so I think we are lucky in that way. They understand um, what to do and say and what's acceptable and and. Yeah, I haven't I'm I haven't really had an issue. If anything, and I'm not saying this to be like, ooh, if anything, I've probably had more um encounters, I guess. I don't know. Unpleasant experiences with like members of my own profession. Than you have yeah. in the or like the programs that you cover. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. <laughs> and we we'll get back to what we're getting into with this in a minute, but um somebody tweeted this a couple days ago and I retweeted it, like uh, male reporter colleagues before me too. Hey, you look pretty today. Male reporter colleagues after me too. Hey, you look pretty today. But I guess I'm not allowed to say that now. <laughs> and I'm like, I hate that. I do too. Like, it's like, what do you want me to say to that? You really want me to be like, oh yeah. <laughs> so so, it, so sorry for you? Question mark. Like yeah. what? You know, it's like you really think that people are accusing men of stuff because they say something. Can't looks compliment pretty? them anymore. Like, yeah, I hate those. It's like, okay, so if you think that's what this is, then. Either you're not, you're like being willfully ignorant or yeah. like, you know, and then it, it puts you in a position of having to be like, do I have to explain this to you? Or, and usually it's someone that you know you can't really explain it to anyways. So Cause you're they're just not like, going to get it. They're not going to try to get it. They're not. Nope. Yeah. And so you're just like, oh, okay, ha, cool. And you, it's just stuff like that. We learn to laugh off to a large degree. Yeah. Um, but I think what happened in the Houston Astros locker room yeah. was something that was very difficult to, you know, laugh off and, and to forget. Um, this came out um, a couple days ago, actually. Mm-hmm. What happened uh, about almost a week ago now, when the Astros, I guess, clinched the World Series um, against the Yankees, and there were reporters, both local and national, I think, waiting outside 
or waiting around the locker room area the the during the post game clubhouse celebration, right? I think that's the context that was given by Stephanie Epstein from Sports Illustrated, who covers baseball. I think on a national level, if I'm not mistaken, or no, she covers the Yankees, right? Uh, let me double check because I don't want to get that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I don't either. Um, but. She was outside the locker room in addition to a number of other reporters, male and female, but I think there were like- She's baseball. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's a national- Okay. Right? She might have been there to cover the Yankees or whatever it was. And she, yeah, she said she was doing a story on the Yankees that she was trying to get some color for, um, with getting quotes from the Astros okay. players. So mm-hmm. she was in there, you know, you're in there during a celebration, you're waiting to go into the locker room. Talk to the players. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, apparently they're- Assistant GM, Brandon Taubman, mm-hmm. I guess. I hope that's the only time I need to know how to pronounce his last name. Um, was Ran up to this group of three. And a lot of us hang out and talk to each other, female reporters. We talk to everybody, but sometimes yeah. we'll be in a group talking. And ran up to this group and yelled, like, I'm so glad we got Osuna. I'm so effing glad we got Osuna. Now, Osuna, Ro- Roberto Osuna, a reliever that they got relatively cheaply after he was... Um, they got him from the Blue Jays. While he was with the Blue Jays, he was arrested and accused in Canada of assaulting the mother of his then three-year-old child. Asuna did not face charges after agreeing to what was the equivalent of a restraining order. I'm reading this from the NPR story. There's been a ton of stories about this right? Um, in the aftermath. Um, but, yeah, that's he, he was still suspended for 70-plus? 75 games, yeah. Yep. Um, and they signed him for relatively cheap. And I think he's largely worked out for them. Although in that game in particular, where he was being so celebratory, um, he had given up the game-tying home run. So it wasn't as if he was having this, like, revelatory moment. Right. Or did something like so Ha-ha, like, look how this worked out. Um, One of the reporters that it seemed to be mostly directed at, apparently, was a local reporter who has tweeted about the issue. Um, and he had complained last year that, quote, some of the reporter's informational tweets promoting domestic violence hotline telephone numbers, for example, would appear moments after Osuna entered several Astros games in relief, and she was wearing a purple bracelet to highlight domestic violence. Like, So this was something targeted towards an individual who obviously has strong uh, opinions about a team signing a player that has been accused of domestic violence. Um, yeah, not the best look. Right. Like not at all, because then they go on and and you can you know talk about this more, but how they try to say like this is not true at all. This is a lie. You're fabricating a story. This is the organization. Instead of taking a moment to like kind of review everything and look at what's going on, yeah, they're calling out. A yeah, that was their a initial woman. statement. They were basically like, oh, "It's unfortunate that an SI state uh, reporter." And this statement came relatively quickly, by the way. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that an SI reporter would fabricate something or make something out of nothing, or whatever the language was that they used, they basically called her a liar, which, you know, it's plenty popular to do among a certain segment of our population nowadays. <laughs> exactly. um, what's weird to me is, though, like you said, like there were people coming out pretty quickly corroborating what she said, men and women, that were yeah. like, yeah, that that did happen. Um, and they didn't even take the time to like look at Twitter and be like, oh, wow, a lot of people are corroborating what she said. They just like ran with that statement. Um, not even saying, like, hey, we're going to investigate, we're going to look into it. They basically just straight up called her a liar. Yeah, and I don't. A story. It's infuriating that they would think that was okay. Oh, it's wildly frustrating. Yeah. What is the plan in place for when something like this happens? Is it immediately to be like, nope, they're lying. I don't know why they're doing this. Yeah. No, I don't. 
I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know why they would just not even at least say like, hey, we don't know what happened. We're going to look into it. And that, you know what? That's okay to do if you, it you don't know what's going on. And it's just super frustrating. Yeah, the Astros, okay, so the Astros pledged about $300,000 towards domestic violence projects after local activists raised objections. Um, yeah, so that was the thing. Um, they say it's to start a conversation, as Stephanie Epstein said, when they really don't want to start a conversation. And that's the thing. You know, they think you can raise awareness for a topic and they want to talk about it, but then when people like us ask us to talk about ask them to talk about it, they act like they're the aggrieved party. Yeah. And it's like, that's, to me... It's amazingly ridiculous that we're even at this point. Like, it's it just like, why would it make you mad that she he, she tweets out a domestic violence number? Because here's the thing: there are probably women who are watching that game. In fact, the odds are there are women watching the game, right? Maybe even watching Twitter. You know, looking at Twitter that see him come in, and either they've been victims or they know someone who's been a victim it's of a domestic trigger. violence, right? And they just their heart sinks. Yeah, you know, I. There are people that I feel that way about now watching both sports. And it's even more heart-wrenching to feel like the media that covers those games doesn't see that either. And it's like, oh, it's just been forgotten and it's cool. Well, and that's the thing. Okay, so the teams, you can argue, they sweep things under the rug as far as like taking positions on certain things. Like, you know, you brought in this guy who has been accused of domestic violence. So you're, I mean, from an organization standpoint, that's not something that you care enough about to not do things like hire him. Right. That's not the media's job to like uh, adopt those ideas. Well, and I think, look, I... (laughs) I think we all understand that sports is a business. Yeah. We all understand that you're going to have guys on your team that, you know, they talked a lot too about, I think, like his second chances and that he deserves a second chance. Well, and in and, and every piece I've read so far, there's nothing, there's no place where it has been written that he expressed any sort of regret or, or, or you know, sorrow or anything. Um, like to get a second chance, you do need to be sorry. Yeah. And I think you do. You know who deserves a second chance? Ray Rice does. Like, everything Ray Rice has done in his, like, Mm -hmm. the aftermath of that, and this has largely been seen as, like, the first big incident in the modern times that has, like, gotten us to focus on domestic violence. Ray Rice has largely owned up to it now, has said he's sorry, has gone on, like, speaking tours to, like, talk about it, has Hmm. done I was going to ask, I was like, what what did he do uh, No, no, he's legit. Okay. Yeah, like, I I don't know what's going on in their marriage right now, so I'm not, that's not for me to say what's going on. But he has legit, he has shown some of the most contrition of anybody I've seen be accused of this. Yeah. Like, I'm going to therapy, I want to talk to kids about, like, what, you know, how how this can go wrong for you, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, to me... Yeah, like, and, and he 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 wants to take responsibility for it from everything I've seen. You know, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. And I respect that so much. Like, I hope that again. I hope everything's fine in their house. I don't know. Right. I don't know what's going on in their relationship. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You know, sometimes abusers are good at putting on one face and doing something else. So that's not that's not me saying like he's turned over a new leaf, but like. But you're putting action to it because it's yes. it, it, it was very Positive public. Everyone knows what happened. And if you don't kind of combat that with some public, uh, like, trying to fix it and, like, help another generation that's coming behind you that's going to look to you and see what you got away with. And it just kind of perpetuates this culture um, where you can, as men, can do whatever it is that you want and you'll get away with it and, and you'll be fine and everybody will forgive you. And then you can still, you know, get hired for jobs or move on with your life. Um I just think that, like, 
organizations have to understand because this is this seems like it's a direct hit at people who are going to not forget until they see some action behind your words. So like, yeah. you know, and I, putting up money, sure, to raise awareness for something. But I think I, I, I mean, I, I side with the reporter that's going to continue to make this a conversation until action, like until they're they're leading the conversation themselves as an organization. They made the choice to bring in somebody that has been accused of domestic violence. Um, they made the choice to say that they would do something to help the cause. So it's the media. They're just going to hold them accountable. This is what you you know are saying that you're going to do. So, yeah, if she feels like she needs to tweet out the domestic violence hotline number every single time you put someone who's been accused of this. Uh, you know, out there, then then so be it. Until we don't need a hotline, you know right. what I mean? No, I know. I'm, I'm with you. And no, it's interesting. I guess they NFL.com got Ray Rice to weigh in on like the Kareem Hunt thing, and he was mm. saying, you know, you look back and you see some similarities between what happened in my situation. I'm never going to call myself an expert. I've publicly or I've discussed the remorse I have for survivors of domestic violence, but knowing what I know now, the top priority is learning that it comes down to those split second decisions which come at the most hostile times and that's where this could be a teaching tool. So like he has been like trying to like reach out and do he's spoken to teams in you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, other schools like that. Um working with organizations like A Call to Men, the Childhood Domestic Violence Association like mm-hmm. I res- like that's the thing. He is showing that's remorse the action. right through his action and again, I don't, you know, I don't want to assume that they're fine. Um but it seems like he's done a lot of work on himself um, and a lot of work towards this cause. You know what I mean? And yeah. and, and that's 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 to me where you express remorse. Um, some domestic violence isn't just a split decision. I know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he wanted to address the root cause of what caused him to make that decision, too. Like whether it was anger management, whatever, alcohol, it seems like he's been trying to address that. Because you got you to get to the cause of this stuff. And if you're not sorry... You're never going to fix it. Yeah. And apparently the Astros themselves were saying they were going to go through some kind of domestic violence training. I'm not sure if it was mandated by MLB either, but apparently this guy didn't get any of it. Like, that was the last The assistant I, GM, yeah. the Brandon Tobman. Which, I mean, I guess if you don't have any of it, you would think, you would view it in these terms. And that is something that, like I said, sports is a business. People view it that way, right? And so you make a move like this and you think like, oh, I nailed it by getting this guy in the cheap. Um. How dare these reporters call me out because just because of this thing that he never even got brought up on charges for. Mm-hmm. And it's just so hard to see things through any other lens sometimes because you're so caught up in everything revolving around your own organization. You know what I mean? That I think sometimes it can be hard. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying this right. is the culture yeah, yeah. that leads to that where it can be so hard to just be like, how dare you hold me accountable for this? And it it becomes this case of like, what about and like just you don't know this guy like I know him or whatever it is you can't it's like there's this weird I don't have cognitive dissonances to to like intellectual concept for for the podcast but like it's like it's you can't wrap your mind around the fact that like what you actually did is completely morally wrong wrong yeah even if you did it for you didn't have that in mind it's not like you were like haha I hope all domestic violence survivors have to see this and be upset that's not what you were thinking but you know what I mean? Well, I kind of argue that you didn't know those are the views that you are holding in some ways, right. like because you haven't taken a like, I mean, I'm trying to I don't even have like an example to like 
you know, use it for. But no, sometimes we just go straight off the, off the top of our head. This is what we say without understanding that there's deeper layers that have led you to that point yeah. that you don't even know what you're actually like, how your mind actually works on certain topics like this. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, I think like in their own minds, they view themselves as good people. Like, I'm a good person. Yeah. Like he, he in his initial statement was like, I'm a what like what did he say like a son and a dad or whatever it was a husband like that's what they always do they view everything through a relationship with women right it's like well hey I I'm, hate I'm, that I know it's the worst but like so I'm a good dumb. dad I'm a good I'm a good husband like that's cool but that doesn't mean I have daughters right exactly it doesn't mean that you can't that you can fully relate to what every woman goes through that like is not in your immediate sphere you know what I mean yeah. like it's just like and you view yourself as a good person and you think you care about things that are important and so you're like well you know what I signed this guy but it's fine he won't do it like you just you come up with all of these reasons and these excuses for yourself and that it's not a bad thing that you did yeah. because you can't just admit like hey I made a business decision and that's that you know what I mean? Yeah, or I don't care enough about this larger issue of domestic violence right. and the culture it has in sports, right. so I'm not going to think about it when I'm considering signing this guy that, or yep. getting him for a great price. And that's where you see them say things like second chances, even if the guy hasn't even said he's sorry or yeah. whatever it is. Like that's that's where that comes from. It's like, well, what is he just not supposed to work again? Well, I mean, he could actually express remorse. Like yeah. that is that, and and it's sad that like that's where our bar is, right? Like that our bar is like is literally he like, hey, like. He could at least pretend to be sorry, or is that... And, like, our bar in this instance is literally like, hey, maybe you should just release a statement saying we're going to investigate it before we call a female reporter a liar. Right. Like, our bar goes down, I feel like, every day. <laughs> but, we have so many opportunities. Yeah. But, like, we... Look, we, we hear and see things sometimes that we let slide because it's not a big deal. But if, if I saw or heard anything like that, yeah, I would make it a big deal. Yeah. Because that's a big deal, and that's not okay. Absolutely. I, I, she's better than me because I would have... I feel like I would have tweeted it right away. Um, I think I would have. I mean, I don't know how. I don't. I don't know how it happened. Or the opposite. I want video. I am recording the whole thing. I'm posting it immediately. But if he really ran up on them like the way they were saying, they probably wouldn't even. And I would have been so shocked. I would be like, "What? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, huh? This did this dude really just say this? Um, Yeah, the NPR report said that too. That he's never apologized or carried any accountability for his actions. Like. And he never would, you know, he, they deflected questions about him. Mm -hmm. You know, one day they'd say he was remorseful. The next day the Astros would act like he had nothing to be sorry for. So it's like, okay. You know, and that's the thing. We've talked about this before in this podcast, but like what men like Tobman don't think about is the way that what they say and do and their actions will be viewed by people that have been through those things that have been through domestic violence, that have been through sexual assault, whatever Like, it is. men don't think about people who've been through those things, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, they don't think about how that's going to play mm -hmm. or how that's going to affect... Like you said, it was a tr it's a trigger thing, too. Like, yeah. just even seeing Osuna in a game for some women who follow baseball might make their heart sink if they've... Or to think... You know, even, even the women that cover uh, male sports... To to know that you're tr you're telling a story, but you you're cutting out part of the story because... There's something that happened, and, and no one want, no one cares about. It. They're still going to sign him. They don't have that, you know, that idea that like, oh no, this is very important, and we don't want to stand for this. Like, mm -hmm. women have to cover. They have to be bombarded with the idea that in this world, women's uh, the business of sport is going to take precedent. We see that or take priority. Um, 
in any case, in anything that a guy does wrong or, or something like that. And, and it's weird, right? I think in some ways, and I can't speak for survivors because I'm not one, but I know a lot of them. In some ways, I feel like there there would be it would be almost more gratifying if organizations and and whatever or whoever it is would just come out and be like, look, you know, we we want to win games. He's going to help us win games. It's this that simple. But they start making all these excuses for themselves. Yeah, be straight up about That's it. That's the thing. I would have so much more respect if a team was just like, yeah, we know, but we're we don't care. You know? Yeah. Okay. Don't have somebody pretend to be sorry or whatever else. Like just. You know, or or pretend. Oh, well, this this guy wants a second chance. Does he? Didn't seem like it. Right. You. It seems like everybody deserves a second chance. Like, sure, but don't you have to want one? Like, don't you have to actually be sorry? Like, don't you have to earn that? Yeah. Um. It, it, there's just a lot of words thrown around, and that's I think where it's probably almost as frustrating as anything to survivors of like, why are you pretending like you care? Don't pretend like you care. Yeah, that's like the like. Don't patronize me. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, yes, and that's where I get, that's where I get annoyed with the NFL, especially. But you know, certainly, at least Major League Baseball was like, "Hey, we're going to look at like their initial statement." I think was like, "We're going to look into this pretty heavily." Yeah. Um, and but the Astros, the Astros statement was clownish, and they still haven't apologized to that reporter, by the way. The Astros? Not, not that I know of. Not as of like last night that I saw. Huh? Because somebody, I guess there was a press conference yesterday, and they asked one of the guys about it. Um. I think it was their GM, and they were like, has anybody apologized to her? And by the way, credit to their manager. I don't remember his name, but he's yeah, been he speaking out against something. them. He's been speaking out against like that behavior since mm-hmm. it, since he first heard about it. I think they did. Uh, Mark Feinstand uh, tweeted out like a clip of it. It says the Houston Astros have released a following statement, and in that statement, it says, uh, we sincerely apologize to Stephanie Epstein, Sports Illustrated, and to all individuals who witnessed this incident or were offended by the inappropriate conduct. Well, and it says it says our initial okay. Well, that's the okay. So that's a first. I didn't know that. And they said our initial belief was based on witness statements about the incident. Subsequent interviews have revealed that Tobin's inappropriate comments were in fact directed towards. Well, okay. Why did why did you why did you release the statement before you had done your whole homework? <laughs> like I don't understand. It was just all bad for the Houston Astros, and that's why they're down too. Well, <laughs> see, and that's the other part of this. Like, I, I saw a lot of that. Yeah. And that almost made me feel icky, too, because it's like, look, I think we all know, like, we've seen abusers and rapists win championships. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, there ain't no karma in sports, trust me. There are good dudes that never win anything. Um, I, mean, I don't know why Mark Richt was the first person that came to mind. Um, why? Well, okay, so, like, because he never won a title or anything, like a mm. national title. Um. The former Georgia coach, former Miami coach, now mm-hmm. retired, and he just had a heart attack the other day. That's why he was in the news. I was I was about to say, like, why have I heard? Yeah. And he's really great on ACC Network. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen him on... It's He's so good no. on ACC Network. Like, he's he diagrammed how to recover a fumble. Like, he's like, you have to do a spork. And he, like, diagram. He got on the floor with the ball. Like, he's amazing. Um, but, yeah, he had a heart attack recently. And he's one of those people that, like, you, you get to know a lot of people in college football media mm-hmm. and, like, around the country. And you hear stuff about all kinds of coaches like that are super slimy and gross and whatever. But he's the one coach that everybody that I know in in college football media is like, no, 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 that guy's legit, a really, really great person. And I'm like, oh, so like he's the real deal. So that that's I'm just saying like if there were Carmen Sports, he probably would have won a national title, right? <laughs> like he seems like a really good a good person. David Cutcliffe probably would have won a national yeah. title. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it, that's just not how sports karma works. You yeah, know? we know. 
and and it becomes a slippery slope too because then people started applying it to injuries and it's like well good okay you know look at what happened to Teddy Bridgewater's knee I was gonna say oh or you pull the whole Katie on him Ugh, yeah so I mean I don't I, I get a little uncomfortable with that because I think in a way if we wrap up the results of games in that we're doing the same thing that they're doing just to a different degree you know what I mean in a different way like. Essentially, what that guy did was go up to them and act like the result of that game validated him signing a domestic abuser, right? That's that uh, was what he was. We mean Tobman going up to those women and yelling in their face, like "I'm so effing glad we signed him," because that got it. He that in that game he didn't, but he helped them get to a world. Oh Series. yeah, 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 yeah. So he's saying that this win validates my decision to to bring this guy in. So the flip side, knowing of that, that he's a, yeah. a accused of domestic violence. I know most people who do this mean mean be- much better than him, but like the flip side of that to me shouldn't be saying like, oh well, <laughs> you guys are gonna win or lose because, because of, of X, signing y, this guy that yeah, committed. Yeah. To, yeah. So um, I don't like to do that. I did chuckle at a few of the jokes of like. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, made, the, well, the jokes they definitely come in in this world of so, social yeah. media. That's where they're they they lead. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's 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 important and I, all around bad just for the organization. I feel like just the way they handled it, and then it's just not fun when women have it so hard in those locker rooms, and then to do this to like you're discrediting her. Like, imagine no one came out and said something to help out this case. It would have been, Stephanie, what are you doing? You're not working. You know, I have, you know what I mean? Like, No, totally. I, I have a lot of respect for her for writing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for well, the, the courage it, it has yes. taken. I, I can't guarantee that I would have done the same thing. I don't know. I really don't. Mm. Because it's... I like to think I would have, but it's a situation where you, you create a lot of trolls, you know, a lot of people that say awful things to you. And I think, yeah, don't do it. But you can see it if you visit her mentions. You can see it if you visit Jenny Dial Creech mentions, who wrote a column for the Chronicle about how bad this all was. And, and men report male reporters as well that have, have stepped up to say something. Um, it's just a lot of. Well, it exposes this idea that it's not just a one-off kind of thing. This guy is not, Brandon Tom is not the only person who has this, like, you know, obscure way of looking at certain things. This is the culture that we're in. Well, and it exposes saw- it. It doesn't, I don't know the fix for it. I don't know what's going right. to, what it's going to take for it to, you know, slowly but surely chip away and, and turn to something a bit more, like... Civilized, huh? right? <laughs> the the it, well, it was interesting to me because I think like this is probably what Brandon Tobin thought was there was I saw talk in all of their mentions about how they have an agenda, and it's who like, has an agenda? Like especially the reporter who had the purple bracelet on. It's like they have an agenda because you're women, you're a woman, and you talk about these issues. You have an agenda. Yeah, and it's an like agenda yeah, my agenda t- is to make sure people don't get domestically, like to to, to make sure abused. people don't get abused. And, or violent. And to have an outlet and a, a, a resource to use if they are the victim of domestic. Yep, that's that's the agenda. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I'm sure that reporter in question who tweets that hotline number, I'm sure she takes, I'm sure her mentions fill up with garbage every time she does it. And I think that probably motivates her to continue to to post it. Yeah. It's something that obviously is necessary, like it exists. And then there's this the there's, world she lives in. Yep. Obviously, surrounded in some ways by it. There's this push to get people to move, to move on, like just forget about it and move on. And it's like, for me, you know, can I move on for for Ray Rice? Like, yeah, mostly because like he's doing a lot of things to 
at least make me believe that he's reforming himself. Yeah. So if he ever played again or coached again or whatever, I wouldn't have a lot to say about it because I'd be like, well, you know what? That guy, he's put in the work to kind of dismantle this. Uh, yes. Like, but uh, everybody else that's that culture, you, everybody else, you know, you got to prove like you, you got to seem sorry. You got to prove something to me. I'm sorry. I don't even want it to seem like I the because like you're not seeming sorry by putting in the work, speaking to you know pro- schools and and that kind of thing. Like you are sorry, right? And you're doing and something you are to help trying rather to than change hurt. it. Exactly. Yes. And that's the big thing for me is like, you know, if you've at least expressed some deal of remorse and you want to try to make it right, okay, I'm willing to you know second chances are second chances because the way these things are prosecuted in the legal system is very complicated Yeah, and a lot of times you can have a lot of evidence that somebody did something and for a variety of reasons somebody doesn't bring charges you know or charges don't get brought I mean look at what happened with Ben Roethlisberger yeah exactly um, and that's something that my stomach drops when I hear mm-hmm. him talked about in certain ways on broadcast and I'm just like okay you know like and it's I get I, I tweet this sometimes like sarcastically um I don't mean to because I think there are some people who's accu- who have accusations that can ruin their actual lives, but you don't see that with these high-profile athletes. Their lives aren't ruined by it. People just talk about them as if it didn't happen. Like, what gets ruined? They keep their yeah. endorsements. They keep all this stuff. Nothing gets ruined. They just get signed again. Like, that's what happens. Yeah, they go through a little bit of public backlash. There's, For a little bit. Right, a little bit of outrage when it happens, and then... People just move on. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you're not you're not ostracized, you know? You're not I mean, we're getting like super off topic here, I guess, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you read the story. I I happened to come across it this morning. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, and the women in the bar that came up to him or something or Yeah, the- it was like a young artist thing. He's had upwards of 87 women accuse him of some form of sexual assault mm-hmm. or harassment or rape in some cases. Like and they got kicked out. The women mm-hmm. are the ones who got kicked out, right? It was a young, yeah, it was a young artist thing, and I guess for whatever reason, Harvey Weinstein got invited to it. Um, and there are some women there that were just completely horrified he was there, including some rape survivors. And we're just like, "Are you kidding me?" And they spoke out and were like, "What's going on?" And and yeah, a couple of them ended up getting kicked out. Um, just think about the number of people that have come forward against him, credibly. And it, and yet his presence is still acceptable, you know, like yeah. that's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm watching the video now where yeah she's like, right. I mean I'm not like listening with the audio obviously, but like just looking at the video, yeah it's that's the kind of thing. Like in what world? Why like is why this is okay? that a, right? Why is that okay? Why isn't everyone as outraged as she is? And I'm tired of like the women who have to point this out being the ones that are like, all right, y'all need to shut up. No, <laughs> like y'all need to do more. And this is why I respect Brenda Tracy so much yeah. and the work she does with athletes with her set the expectation campaign. Um, she calls on the men to help do the work. And so many men have really like taken up her cause and mm-hmm. um, and are working so hard to promote awareness and, and prevention and things like that. Um, but that's why she does that, because we can't do it by ourselves. Like we need allies. Well, also, we need it's, help. it's not like only like our issue. It's everyone's issue. It shouldn't be. It should come from the male side. I know. And it's... <laughs> yeah. Trying to explain that to, to people is hard, it though. Is. It is. Because it's... I think for so long, too, domestic violence was viewed as this, like, private thing that happens between, like, a man and a woman, and it's no, none of anybody's business. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, we're still working to sort of change that mindset, you know? 
it's crazy, but I think we are. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> uh, every every week I feel like we end up talking about something like this because awesome. everything it keeps happening. I know. I, I tweet sometimes. I'm on Twitter. I'm just like, can we go one day? Like, right? Literally, just one day of my life where I don't have to read an insanely sexist story or like something where something like this doesn't happen. Yeah. I just want to go one day. Um, maybe one of these days. You know. Yeah, today wasn't that day. Great conversation, though. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that uh, Houston Astros, get better, everybody else be better. Seriously. Yeah. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Topics and Takes podcast with host Lauren Brownlow. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Topics and Takes podcast.